Welcome to the Understanding Society podcast series. In today's podcast, Professor Anne Berrington from the University of Southampton talks about new research looking at the boomerang generation and what prompts young adults to return to live with their parents. Cross-sectional data for Britain have shown a recent increase in the number of young adults living with at least one parent. And based on largely anecdotal evidence, the British media has tended to assume that this increase in co-residence is due to higher levels of young adults returning or boomeranging back home. Now we know that the likelihood of returning home depends upon the reason for leaving and young adults leaving to live with a new partner are less likely to return home as compared to those with leave home to take up higher education or to take up a job. And hence, recent changes in society, including the increased enrolment in higher education and greater job insecurity for young adults, has increased the likelihood of returning home. And in fact, young women have become more like young men in terms of their leaving and returning home, because today women are less likely to leave home for family formation reasons, but to leave to attend higher education, for example. And today, they're more likely to return, therefore. So lots of different aspects to this whole idea around the boomerang generation, lots of different uh, sides to it. What particular aspect of this phenomenon did you decide to look at in this particular piece of research that we're talking about today and why? Well, within the ESRC Centre for Population Change, we've been looking at various aspects of the dynamics of household formation among young adults. But this particular paper is called Gender Turning Points and Boomerangs, because here we were interested in the individual and parental factors associated with returning home. And um, we focus on events or turning points in people's lives which are likely to increase the likelihood of returning. In particular, we're interested to know whether these turning points are different for men and for women. Now, you made use of the British Household Panel Survey. Um, Why did you make use of that? Tell us a bit about what it's got in it that helps you look at these particular issues. Well, Repeated cross-sectional surveys can tell us whether the proportion of young adults currently living with a parent is increasing or decreasing over time. However, longitudinal data are required to understand whether young adults are nowadays less likely to leave the parental home or whether they're more likely to return. And both the uh, British Household Panel Study and Understanding Society can provide this longitudinal perspective. So for this analysis, we use data from waves 1 to 18 from 1991 to 2008 of the BHPS. And BHPS is a really good source to look at these transitions for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's a relatively large panel data set, so we can track the annual changes in living arrangements for about 5,000 men and women in their early 20s, late 20s and early 30s. Secondly, the BHPS collects information about the relationship of one individual to everyone else in the household, and thus we can precisely identify uh, with whom an individual is living. And finally, the BHPS collects detailed information on annual changes in employment status and partnership status. Thus, we can identify these key changes in the life course that might be associated with returning home. So, 
what were the main things then that predicted whether or not a young adult would in fact return to his or her parents' home? And, and, and what does this tell us? Well, we found that for men and women, completing higher education, finishing full-time studies is one of the strongest determinants of returning to the parental home. This relates to the idea that attending higher education in the UK is a transitionary role with parents willing to subsidise residential independence for the duration of that study. The second main turning point um, found to predict returning home was experiencing the dissolution of a co-residential partnership. This is true for both men and women, but especially for non-resident fathers. Now, you noted um, earlier in our, our interview that the, the likelihood of men and women returning home now is quite, quite similar, but there were some interesting differences when it came, for example, to the role of the welfare system in providing accommodation. Can you talk us through that? Yes. The analysis showed that childless men and women were similarly likely to return home following the breakdown of a co-residential partnership. However, for those who had become parents, partnership dissolution is strongly associated with returning home for men, but much less so for women. Now, social housing is an important safety net for single parents in the UK, reducing their likelihood of relying on their parents for accommodation following um, a split. But single people without children face more difficulty in accessing such housing, and they'll therefore be more likely to need help from family members, such as parents, following, uh, following a partnership dissolution. And because children are more likely to remain living with their mother after union dissolution, this means that the British welfare system may partly explain the observed gender difference in returning home. So there are some quite, uh, maybe some quite important takeaways for policymakers here. Yes, well, as I said, one of you know, the first uh, key finding is that there are these two main life course if type of events associated with returning home. A change in employment status, particularly finishing full-time education and experiencing the breakdown of a co-residential partnership. Um, and we've seen that the increasing uptake of higher education has meant that women have become more similar to men in their destinations on leaving home, and hence the likelihood of returning. We've found that the completion of education continues to be an important catalyst for returning to the parental home, such that it might be perceived as a normative transition for men and women in their early 20s. Now, this is likely to continue to be the case, if not to increase, in the context of recession, increased university tuition fees and rising student debt. The other takeaway message for policymakers revolves around the needs of non-residential fathers. And it seems that mothers and fathers may find support from different sources following a split, with young single mothers more reliant upon the welfare state and single non-residential fathers requiring greater support from their parents in terms of accommodation at least. There's some really interesting findings there and we, we talked earlier about how you've used the BHPS in this particular research and you also mentioned understanding society and I know you've got some plans to, to use that in further research. Can you can you tell us how you're going to be using understanding society and why? Well yes we've um, been awarded funding by the ESRC for a project looking at how young adults housing pathways have responded to recent social change including the credit crunch and economic recession. And new panel data from Understanding Society can allow us to extend the work in a, in a number of ways. Now, as you know, the first wave of data collection in Understanding Society took place in 2009-10, and thus we can investigate how young adults' housing transitions have responded to increased economic precariousness. 
Secondly, the much larger sample size of understanding society allows us to investigate how young adults' transitions to independent living and housing pathways differ among particular population subgroups. And our current work is looking at how class, gender and ethnicity impact on young adults' housing transitions. Gender, Turning Points and Boomerangs, Returning Home in Young Adulthood in Great Britain is researched by Juliet Stone, Anne Barrington and Jane Falkingham and is published in the journal Demography.